Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors, right here from the heart of the Ozarks where land meets outdoor recreation. I have online with me J.D. Driscoll from Gobbler, Missouri, and that's Gobbler with one B. Uh, I don't know who uh, spelled that for you, J.D., but they didn't get it right, man. Uh, that's all right. You know, it's just one B, Gobbler, no turkeys, you know, so <laughs> I guess it kind of fits. Hey, uh, you're a great country down there, and you know yourself, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, good old southeast Missouri, we usually call it the boot hill, but I, I was on your website early this morning, man, and, and uh, you left my home county out, Mississippi County. I thought we were a part of the boot hill, too. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, you guys can stretch up this way a little bit, but I fall a little bit short of the boot hill. You, you guys are Arkansas. So. <laughs> uh, well, I've been called worse in my lifetime, but, you know, that's a great place to go up. I was on James Bayou, which came right out of the Mississippi River, and boy, I had a mm-hmm. uh, lot of good times fishing that, that bayou in the uh, river as well. And, you know, just a stone's throw, man, I could get into Kentucky, Tennessee, and Illinois, and Arkansas, too. And uh, occasionally, we made a trip down to Memphis. It was just a little war, an hour to Memphis, Tennessee, man. So you can get a lot places fast from where we were located but you know it hey man it's been a couple three years since i've really t- talked to you and wondering what's going on uh, with you guys down there dirty rice outfitters hey i got a first thing i want you to do jd is to explain to people that are listening uh where your name dirty rice outfitters come from what's dirty rice well a lot of people probably think of dirty rice as being a a um a dish that you eat uh, as far as being some kind of mexican food or something like that but uh no we um i came up with that we were we were hunting and this has been back in the the late mid 90s um when i started guiding out of high school we um we all we had was rice fields back then but um you know, it, the land was developing around here, and, and everything was getting put to grade. And I can still remember the, the just the row crop fields of cotton and soybeans put to grade to to farm rice and and things like that. But when we started actually hunting the rice, um, we would have to pump our fields up if we didn't have a, su- a sufficient amount of rain to hold the water for hunting. Um, and when we'd pump those fields up, the iron from the uh, from the wells it was putting out um, turned the water. Uh, uh, a dingy orange brownish color uh for a certain amount of time once it was first kicked on and it changed the the color of the rice that was left in the field and the and the uh the rice stalk so it it just looked really dirty and i came up with that name just dirty rice hey that that's a pretty cool 
name. I've I've always thought that was pretty funny. And I think before I even asked you that question, uh, while I was down there hunting one time, I was driving along the road, and I kept trying to figure out how in the world you come up with uh, the name Dirty Rice. And I went out and picked up a handful of rice, uh, beat the waterfowl to it, you know. And, and yeah, I'd been laying there for a while. It it looked pretty pretty dirty but then i took a photograph of some of the you know the standing stubble and i got home i was looking through it and you could see the color change in it it as well so i knew it had to come from one of those two things but jd That's you guys right. been in business for uh, several years down there when it, when did you actually start dirty rice outfitters uh well i mean officially with a name 2003 but before that i was guiding through high school and i and um, kind of got started with some guys that was from Kentucky. They were wanting to shoot some snow geese. And um, on one of my fields, my, my grandfather hollered at me and said, hey, there's some guys down here wanting to shoot these snow geese, and you may want to get down here. So I rode my I rode my four-wheeler down there, and they said, yeah, we just we don't want to set up. We just want to slip, ditch slip them, you know, uh-huh. just crawl down the ditch and shoot Sneak them, make up on them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, you know, that's what y'all probably call it down in Mississippi County, but up here in Pemscott County, we call it ditch slipping. But. Ditch slipping, yeah. yeah now, <laughs> anyway, now, anyway. Hey, now, dude, that sounds like me. You're from a little further south than me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. No, we, uh, you know, they just wanted to ditch slip them, and I, and I thought that they wanted to actually set up and hunt them, and, and I don't really care for snow geese, never have, really. But um, anyway, they asked how much, and I said, well, whatever you guys think, and and one of the guys said, "Well, how about fifty bucks?" And I said, "Well, that'll work." I mean, you're talking to a fifteen year old kid on a four wheeler, you know what I mean? Um, and I said, "Yeah, that'll work," you know. I guess and there were six of those. There were six of those guys, and they they all pulled out fifty bucks, and I had three hundred dollars in less than thirty seconds, and I said, "Well, shoot, I can do this." I guess. Well, you're you're a better businessman than me, man. I I remember Mississippi County used to catch a lot of carp out of James Bayou. There, and there was oh, a black lady up the road to take all of them I could get, and she I got tired of carrying them up there. It's about a mile and a half up the gravel road, you know. But uh, she caught me and right. a little buddy of mine one time. She says, uh, "I'll, uh, hey, I need some carps, man." He said, "Would you, you boys, catch me some carp?" And said, "I'll, I'll give you a quarter piece." Well, man, we caught I don't know fifteen of them things and put them in a grass sack. We'd carry them about twenty yards and set them down and carry them again. Took us three hours to get up there. And of course, she didn't have any money. She said, "Check the mailbox on Friday." And this was Tuesday. Boy, it was a long week. But uh, we went to the box four or five times that week, and finally about 5 o'clock, we opened that lid, and there laid two quarters, quarter piece. We thought she meant quarter per fish, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So my business ventures didn't start out with a gusto that yours did. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But, no, I just kind of run off of that, you know. uh, Some of those guys came back and brought some other guys, and, and, you know, we just – kind of made buddies of the deal um i did with two of them anyway they would uh, they would come and hunt with me on the weekends and and sometimes even during the week before school i would hunt them but i'd always have to cut out about a quarter to eight and go to school um, <laughs> i always rode my four-wheeler from hunting all the way back up to daring there to the schoolhouse and uh anyway you know it was it just one thing they just kind of trickled effect one guy would bring a group back and one of the other guys would he would bring four or five back and then before you knew it i had you know one of the other guys from the four guys the original one brought in he brought a group back and it just kind of started from there but 
um, I had two fields back then, and um, both of them were in rice fields, and they used to be uh, used to be old slough beds that ran through them. Uh, one of them still had the old cypress tree out about a hundred yards behind the the pit, and and um, I, I used to shoot ducks there all the time. You, you know, used to before the rice when I was. 10, 11, 12, when I started hunting by myself, uh, we would have to wait for big rains. And uh-huh. um, we would catch these slough bottoms out in these, you know, these bean fields and stuff like that where when when it caught a big rain, it would it would get in them bottoms there. And you only had a couple of days, maybe at most, two, three tops to, to get in there and hunt them ducks. But, I mean, you could really get in there and shoot them. Oh, but, I, uh, I bet. I can remember uh, – our farm is we only have forty acres there in Mississippi County, but it kinda had a roll in it that went down to that James Bio. It used to be a natural drainage there and then when they dug the bio they just followed that. But I've seen that uh, that bottom you get some water on it and it just get covered up in ducks and geese. But we never hunted them. I never really got into duck hunting until after I got into the college. But boy, you, you got started early on. So I have to assume that you know a little bit about duck hunting but now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just kind of what we do. You know, we, I hate, I kind of hate to say this, but, you know, duck hunting's just kind of cool now to duck hunt. But, um, yeah, you know, used, used to, you know, it was just kind of what you done. Um, you know, my, my grandpa's daddy was the market hunter down in Hornersville Bottoms. And, sure. Um, yeah, you know, they, this up was all swamp and I've heard all the stories and, Great stories too. Yeah, my my yeah. dad used to tell a story about him him and his dad. Uh, they hunted in what is now Big Oak Tree State Park, but back in the day before it was a park, they called it Old Grassy, just a shallow lake back there. My dad, I think he's in seventh grade. He said him and his his daddy pulled an old cypress boat way back in there one morning before my dad went to school and with a single shot shotgun uh grandpa killed 140 something ducks that morning and they take them all home to grandma throw them on the front porch and walk off you know grandma got to pluck them all and kept it down for for pillows and all that kind of stuff and she canned all that meat that was their winter uh winter meat supply my dad said he he had duck every way you could imagine and he of course right. <laughs> when he was an adult he couldn't stand duck so we didn't duck up much <laughs> right right yeah there's i wish i knew half the ways that they knew how to do it back then for sure jd you guys offer it all down there yeah yeah we do we do now um we've came a long way from from when we started just hunting rice fields for sure you, you certainly have, but uh, you've got quite a facility and a lot of land down there. First of all, uh, uh, I know if people get on your website, and, and what is your website? It's 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 dirtyriceoutfitters.com. Um, Easy enough. On there with, yeah. Yeah, we've got links. We've got bios, photo page, uh, video page, just anything about us, our guides, our lodging, uh, pictures of our lodge. All our accommodations, what we what we do as far as our guided hunts and our prices and everything. Well, it, it's certainly a very attractive site. And uh, duck hunters, if you get on that site, you're going to be hooked because these, these guys have been at it for a long time. Got a huge lodge there. I think it's, what, close to 7,000 feet, J.D.? It's about 6,500 acres, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, 6,500 acres. 6,500 square That's a big lodge. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Uh, be hard to clean, but anyway. Yeah, it would be. But yeah. 6,500 square feet, that's a lot of room. And outdoorsmen will love it, too, because you guys, the decor is fabulous there. Uh, 
I, I stand fire sometime and look at those pintails you got hanging on the wall, you know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, we got a few mounts. And, um, you know, we, we used to sleep about 30 people, but we've kind of cut back and uh, three kids and everything's going fast enough. We've we slowed down and we run about two or three groups a day. Uh, we uh-huh. can sleep 18 now. We've got full kitchen, uh, six bathrooms. We've got uh, multiple four-man rooms, two-man rooms. Uh, full full open bar in the front, uh, gaming room, living room, 1,200-square-foot back porch uh, you can barbecue on. You can sit out here and overlook the deck and, and watch birds uh, fly here and, and just uh, have a good time. Well, that sounds like a good retirement home to me. Hey, J.D., tell us real quick like how people can get a hold of you. If they want to uh, schedule a hunt, tell us how they can get a hold of you. Uh, 573 three four four zero zero seven five you can you can text or call me on that line um you could email me at jd at dirty com, or you could get online um, and go to dirty com and shoot me an email on there and i'll get it there all right very good jd been great to have you on the program man and i'm bill cooper the living the dream outdoors podcast is brought to you by Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, Cowtown USA, Alps Outdoors, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, and the Fly Rod Journals. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm, we live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.